0: Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast, which obviously is a pro wrestling podcast by me, Simon Miller. First and foremost, I want to thank you very much for downloading this, streaming this, watching it on YouTube or however you would to enjoy consuming your podcast slash audio content. And also, thank you for being with me on the entire journey if you've been here since day one. I don't want to leave those people out as well, but if you are new, it's lovely to have you here. Now, there's a lot to talk about this week. Obviously, we had Clash of Champions, so we need to go through that, which will tie directly into SmackDown. And we had a Raw show as well. But I'm thinking that, given that I drop on a Wednesday, you know, unless something big happens on Raw or SmackDown, like I imagine some of you, maybe you, you, you've you had your fill of Clash of Champions or something like that. It's different when it's a Raw Rumble or WrestleMania. You know, the fallout from that kind of, can, can you, can you on for a week or so? But maybe with the lesser pay-per-views, sometimes it's not the most important thing in the world. So I thought we'd start this week's episode talking about something that does have a little bit more importance and gravitas, or at least is a discussion point, point. and that is, of course, at the end of Raw, we did get Stephanie McMahon coming out and telling us that the women's revolution will continue, because obviously we don't get told that, we don't know it's a revolution, you know, that's how it works, and that, for the first time ever, the women will be having a Raw Rumble match at the Royal Rumble. Now, in terms of uh, an announcement within itself... I think this is something that was long overdue, much like the, um, uh, what do you call it, the money in the bank that we had this year, i say last year, it was this year, that Carmella won after some controversy with James Ellsworth, you know, I think we are now in an era where this is good, you know, there's nothing, there is no reason for the women not to have a money in the bank or a Raw Rumble or an Elimination Chamber or whatever else, what the men do, and we're going to get into the problem with this in a second, but that is how it should be. The women are no different from the men, the men are no different from the women, and there is no reason not to have the same for each, as long as they're booked smartly. And Because what you don't want to do, and this, this isn't specifically to the women, it's both of them together, you want to make sure that both still feel fresh. As so long as you make sure that you book them differently enough, so it's not white watching history repeat itself, it's fine. However, there is a problem with all of this, and the problem is the way that all the women's stuff is presented. Well, for me anyway, and I'm sure a lot of you will disagree, and please feel free to get in touch and let me know. That's what this is all about. But let's take the announcement of the Women's Royal Rumble to begin with. Rather than tie it into a story or allow it to build up or be part of the narrative or make it a focal point of the women's division over the next few weeks and months on Raw, I'm well, not months obviously, but if we'd started a bit sooner, which is what the women's division need, you know, aside from the Absolution and Riot Squad storylines recently, I've, oh, and have you watched my What Culture Ups and Downs? I say this all the time. The big problem with the women's segments on Raw is they're treated like the woman's segment, much like a 205 Live segment, which I also hate. So it's not like you get individual stories with the women. It's almost as if in the script it says, and now it's the women's bit. So they throw all the women into one big segment and it feels messy and you don't get coherent storylines. And you don't get that with the men, obviously. You have tag team segments and you have single segments, but it's not like... You know, you wouldn't throw Roman Reigns in with the rest of the entire roster. You have a Roman Reigns segment. And that's why when you have either Alexa Bliss or Charlotte, who are the the current women's champions, just being hurled in with everyone else as opposed to being allowed to build a feud or build a storyline, it does take something away from me because the transparency of it... Like I say, it doesn't feel like pro wrestling. And this is my problem with the Royal Rumble announcement. We could have started teasing this in mid-November and then it built up on Raw and SmackDown over the next few weeks, made it something interesting, kind of came up with a scenario where, oh, having a women's Royal Rumble match would be something exciting and sensical to the story we're trying to tell. And I think that would have given it more weight. And then, because it is a historic moment, it would have been treated as such by whichever media or fans who wanted to treat it that way, as opposed to what we did get, which was, you know, like a big obstacle just taking over Monday Night Raw, all the feuds being put on hold, and all the women, be at faces or heels, just getting in the ring with Stephanie McMahon and throwing their arms in the air, like, yay, we did it. And you, what annoys me is, Let's take the elimination chamber, just because I can't think of another match that's been introduced. I know that was like fifteen years ago now, but still, when the elimination chamber was revealed, Vince McMahon didn't walk down the ring and get in the ring with who was it? it was I? The top of my head, I'm probably get this wrong, but it's Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Kane, Rob Van Dam. I'm gonna say Chris Jericho and Booker T. Let's see if I was right. I know I shouldn't do this on podcasts. It's no fun that I then go and look look stuff up on the internet. But I want to see how good is my wrestling knowledge. I mean, shit, probably. Let's face it. But still. So it was Booker T, Chris Jericho, Kane, Robin, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels, Simon Miller, you wrestling nerd. Oh, I'm a happy boy. Anyway, Anyway, my point being is that was built into the story. There was a reason that they were going to have an Elimination Chamber match. And I get that WWE has been so behind the times with the women's division that, yes, maybe they want to make a bigger song and dance out of it so that, you know, the louder you shout something, the more people will hear it. So I guess they are hoping they get a lot of mainstream coverage and a lot of website coverage and all that kind of stuff, so that people go, oh, what a forward-thinking, diverse company, blah, blah, blah. But that is my issue with it, and with the women's division in general, is that it does come across, like on paper, like I say, it's put into its little segment, and that's that. And I think that's what we have to move away from. I think if we do want to just start treating them as superstars, as opposed from men superstars and women superstars, or divas, as they used to be known, which in hindsight is a terrible word. Imagine calling your female wrestlers divas. I mean, just go look up the meaning of the word diva for, for, for to get an understanding of that. But yeah, it's it's not the smartest thing in the world. I don't well, at least I don't think it's working in terms of what pro wrestling is meant to be. And it feels like a missed opportunity to me because we really could have made a big deal out of this on the show itself. And what did we have instead? You know, on Raw, we had, uh, oh, what was the match? I can't even remember what the hell the match was. Anyway, we had a match and it just ended with the big schmoz with all the women running out just so that all the women were in the ring. And then Stephanie McMahon came out and basically upended or upheld the show. And then, you know, on SmackDown, we had a similar kind of thing with everyone just really ramming home. Oh, it's a historic moment. Oh, what a historic moment. Oh, historic moment. And you're like, I get it. I understand it's a historic moment. You don't have to keep telling me. Hey, I'm not an idiot. I know it's a big deal, but also then it does start to feel like they're ramming something down your throat. And that is irksome. It just is. It just is. Just, it could do it with anything. Roman Reigns, right? Rubbed people the wrong way because he felt like he was shoved down your throat. And it was the same with this. Now, hopefully we can just fall into better territory uh, going on from here. We can just focus on the match itself. Uh, I said this on my ups and downs for Raw this week. I genuinely do believe this a big reason for this is cuz they saw it as a great way to have a sur- i mean it's difficult to say it would be a surprise entry cuz you'd imagine they'd want to announce it for the hype however they could then hype it from mania to, to rumble uh, from rumble to mania But straight away, as soon as I saw it, I thought that's got to be where you introduce Ronda Rousey, who has been training at the Performance Center. You're putting her in a match where she can be protected by the other women who are more experienced. And of course, it would make a huge splash. And given that it is the first ever Women's Royal Rumble, that is going to be something that we talk about for a long time to come. And then Asuka can beat Alexa Bliss, maybe at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view itself. And then you build to Asuka, who is using the armbar, which was Ronda's quote-unquote signature move, versus Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. I imagine Ronda Rousey would win. Then what happens, I don't know. I can't believe whatever Ronda Rousey plans to do is going to be a long-term thing. Also, I imagine that is going to cause so much controversy with sort of smarky hard- hardcore wrestling fans when Ronda Rousey comes in and wins the first ever Women's Royal Rumble and then the women's title. But look, it would do incredible uh, business and it would, you know, people would talk about that. It really would. It would get the kind of attention that WWE loves, especially when it comes to the likes of WrestleMania. So we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that but I do think it could have been handled better I do think it could have been like I say this big thing that we built up to but I think the most important thing is that we've got one and now like it does all come down to the booking I understand the criticism that some people have when they say well isn't this going to make either one of the you know one of the two rumbles is now going to feel like overkill and yeah I can understand that however that all comes down to creative right if you've got one raw rumble and it's x and you've got the other Raw rumble then it's y then it doesn't matter it makes no difference because that's like saying well we can't have two single matches on <laughs> on on the same on the same show. It all comes down to making sure it feels different and and is exciting and has its own story. And I think as long as you do that it will be absolutely fine. And again, we're living in a world why wouldn't you have a women's Royal Rumble? It doesn't make any sense not to have a women's Royal Rumble. Like otherwise, again you're painting them as I can't even think of the right word, but you're not painting them as human beings. <laughs> because if your men humans have a Royal Rumble, why wouldn't your women? And again, the reason you want to do it is because it's a really good story to tell. Who's going to be the number one contender for the title come WrestleMania? That is why people love it. It's a great story. So just make sure that all works. And I really don't think it matters. I mean, it would be better if they weren't both on the same show, but you, you can't do that. You can't you can't have two separate role rums on different shows. Then it really would be overkill and you run it into the ground. So I think that's good. So execution poor, but everything else everything else was um, was very well done. And, like I say, if I had to pick any one night right now, it would be Ronda Rousey. I just think it ticks all the boxes that WWE currently wants to tick. But we will see. Who knows? Otherwise, um, I don't know who else would win it, to be honest. I've no idea. I've no idea. I'd have to have a think. But yeah, that, that's what I think. Certainly was the biggest thing to go down in wrestling this week, unless I've forgotten about something massive, which I probably have done. I, I've done a lot. Uh, but segueing from that into Clash of Champions. I thought Clash of Champions was decent to a certain extent. Um, Kind of, I don't want to say, it it didn't really have a pay-per-view feel in the sense that there was only really one match I was desperate to see, and that was the Shane McMahon, uh, Daniel Bryan nonsense. Just because I I wanted to, you know, I I wanted to see what was going to happen with that. They kind of left us guessing. Um, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn obviously won. There was a lot of fracas between the two referees, Brian and McMahon. You know, eventually they divide the ring up. So, you know, Shane to the left side, Brian to the right side. And then, you know, there was there was counts that were out of sync and, you know, they kept falling on each other and interrupting counts. And basically, the be-all and end-all was that Brian did a fast count because he couldn't believe that Shane McMahon had screwed Sami Zayn by only giving him a two. And it was good. Like, it added to the whole storyline. And the fallout on SmackDown was they had this big, intense, sort of atmospheric conversation at the start. It looked like Shane McMahon was going to fire him instead. Just said, have a good show. And he shook his hand. And before all that, you know, Daniel Bryan was like, oh, you know, you sound like best for business. And last time, you know, I was hearing those words. I was getting screwed over like, by the McMahons. Don't be like your dad. I feel like you're becoming Mr. McMahon. And it was good. What I don't get is that it feels as if we're building to Daniel Bryan versus Shane McMahon at WrestleMania 34. And I don't see how we're getting that because the word from WHQ constantly since 2015 or 14 or wherever it was, then Daniel Bryan retired, was... Daniel Bryan is done. He has concussion issues. We're not going to let him back in the WWE ring, which then has sprung up the rumors that come October next year, he'll be fighting for an indie company or New Japan or CMML or somebody like that because he wants to keep wrestling and WWE won't let him wrestle. But if that is the case, and they're putting this much time and effort into teasing a match or something between Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan and we don't get it, is that not a mistake by WWE? Because it's like anything, right? And they haven't said it as directly as this, but if I tell you, oh... John, I'm going to bring a chocolate cake around your house, and I don't bring that chocolate cake around. You can be like, you piece of shit. Where was my chocolate cake? Bit of a weird analogy. <laughs> but still, that's what it feels like here. It feels like we're being offered something we're never going to get unless WWE has decided to clear Daniel Bryan. But that opens up such a big can of worms. I'm not sure they'd be willing to risk it, especially because they do have a concussion lawsuit going against them, which I don't think has been resolved. But we'll have to wait and see. It definitely is the best thing on WWE TV at the moment, or at least the most interesting. I'm really intrigued to see where it's going to go. I don't know what the fallout's going to be. But like I say, I'm excited, to, I'm excited to see what they do with it. It was a bit weird there was no real fallout with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. On SmackDown, they would just put in a six-man tag match with those two in Jinder Mahal against Randy Orton, Nakamura, and uh, Jinder Mahal. So basically, all the people that were feuding at Clash of Champions had a match. Finished when Nakamura hit Sami Zayn with the Kinshasa. Can I ever say that word? Whatever it is. I can't say it. I deal with it. um, And it was fine. It kind of felt like they're not 100% sure where they want to go with the WWE title next. And it certainly does, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen next week, but it certainly did feel like the Owens and Zayn or Nakamura connection with the McMahon chain stuff, uh, mcmahon Bryan stuff, is now maybe not going to be as connected. Although there was a bit on SmackDown where Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn went to give some celebratory champagne to Daniel Bryan to say thank you, and he didn't want it, and he turned it down and said, look, if you keep mucking around like this, I'll fire you. So I don't know whether that was like a ruse or, I don't know. So there is still a connection there. That's my point. Where it goes from there, I don't know. So it'll be interesting. But it, it, world well, title-wise, it did feel a bit like, oh, we don't know what to do at the moment, so let's just get to another week and decide. I can't believe we're going to get any more AJ Styles, Jinder Mahal, because that would be ridiculous. AJ Styles beat him clean. He should need... And that's going to be the most interesting thing of 2018. Where does Jinder Mahal fall down? After all this effort and all this push, and after all this, uh, you know, time to try and make him something he wasn't, what happens now? Because I wouldn't say it's a failure, but I wouldn't say it was a, a success. I still think you can keep, keep him near the top of the card. He still needs work. But he's young, he's like 31, so he can still do that. So I'll be intrigued to see what they do. But yeah, in terms of Clash of Champions to SmackDown, it did feel a bit, I don't want to say lacklustre, but maybe a bit like we don't have much, so we're just going to take our foot off, off uh, the, um, the the pedal a little bit. But we'll see. As well on SmackDown, we may as well do SmackDown first, especially because it did have the highlight of 2017, which was everything between Aiden English, Rusev, and The New Day. It was just, I mean, it was so dumb it was so dumb. And I imagine people like Jim Cornette. What does he like? I mean, you don't know. Jim Cornette is, you know, a, a proper advocate for serious wrestling. You don't muck around. And here we had the New Day dressed up in the dumbest costumes you've ever seen, shoving pancakes down people's mouths. And then Rusev and Aiden English turn off as a Santa and a snowman. Rusev pulls his beard down and whispers to the New Day, it's me, Rusev, just in case they weren't sure who it was. And then it was just excellent. It was just hilarious. They just get involved in such nonsense. They had a match later, which the new day won after a springboard elbow right. I think it was Xavier Woods onto Wade in English. But it was one of those times where wins losses actually didn't matter because it was just it was so much fun. It was like, oh, who cares? This I'm just having a good time. I actually don't care about wins or losses. I just want to enjoy this for what it was, and I did. And I tell you, I know I say this all the time, but Rusev really is the best person on the entire roster because he can do anything. He can be serious, he can be funny, he can be somewhere in between and he's always good and he's getting over he, he's always been over to a certain degree but now the whole Rusev day thing has almost been the catalyst to throw him into the extra stratosphere and he's getting cheered and I, I, they've got to do something with him they've got to do something with him because he's never not good he's on it all the time so I really do hope this is the start of something i mean tying it into clash of champions uh, the Usos retained against the New Day, Shelton Benjamin and Gable and Rusev and 8 English. It was fine. It was a decent tag match. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, maybe a tag team title change was needed, especially because on SmackDown, what we got was, um, it was, uh, what do you call it? Gable and Benjamin versus the Usos, who are obviously still the champion. It was a non-title match, but Gable and Benjamin won. which surprised me, to be honest. I didn't see that coming at all. And I don't know whether they then, they're then they now going to split off into their own feud. Because if you beat the tag team champions in a non-title match, you've got to get a title match, surely. That's how this stuff works. So that's an interesting thing. And also, I don't think you can keep feuding the New Day and Aiden English and Rusev if you want to get serious about it. Because they're both hilarious, funny, now blatantly baby-faced teams. I am also really pleased that all of this, this bizarre pairing of Aiden English and Rusev, I don't think anybody thought would work, or at least never saw coming. I'm really ha- happy it's managed to allow Aiden English to become like a, a big deal. You know, people actually care about him now because he is good. He he gets it as well. Like he wouldn't be able to fit in with this craziness if he didn't get it. So he certainly gets it. So I'm a big, I'm a big fan of him. But talking about the tag team division, uh, tag team team on SmackDown. Obviously, we had Bludgeon Brothers against Brizango, who they beat in one minute fifty eight seconds, which I predicted in another What Culture Ups and Downs video. I knew that would happen. And what happens to Brizango now, I don't know. Which also sucks because they should be working in with the New Day and Aiden English and Rusev because they know exactly how to make that work. But the Bludgeon Brothers weren't on SmackDown. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because you don't have to have somebody on TV each and every week. But I do think there should have been something. They're still new. They've been around three or four weeks. And I think to make sure that you maintain the momentum, it probably would have been good to have a vignette or a pro... Maybe they did and I missed it. Like, sometimes that obviously happens. I do not think I did. So that was a bit strange. And that's why I don't really get Gable and Benjamin versus the Usos because surely the Bludgeon Brothers are going to be in a title program before long. But you can't ignore that now. Well, of course you can. It's WWE. But we, we, we will see interesting though there's a lot of good stuff going on at Smackdown uh, obviously we had more stuff with the Women's Royal Rumble with uh, Charlotte uh, promoting that and saying how special it's going to be no, Naomi came out and said that she's going to be in the Royal Rumble for the first time and then we got Charlotte and Naomi versus the Riot Squad and the Riot Squad lost clean so that's that idea in the toilet three weeks in they're already losing clean so clearly they've lost faith in them already I mean Absolution weren't that much better on Raw but at least they didn't lose clean so that was very strange I didn't understand that at all I don't know what they're going after there um, like I say, I just think we need to start breaking the woman off. I'm repeating myself now, but we need like, Paige should be in a in a singles feud with someone. She shouldn't be, uh, you know, just one of many faces again because she only just come back. But it's it's not like it's the end of the world. There, there's still stuff there. I think the biggest surprise on Clash of Champions was that Dolph Ziggler beat Baron Corbin and Bobby Roode to become U.S. title holder, and Corbin and Roode weren't even on SmackDown either, which is very strange. Now, why Ziggler won, I don't know, because his segment on SmackDown was he came out, he went on about all his accolades, all of which are true, he has done a lot with his WWE career, he's been very successful, maybe it's had underrated here and there, but he laid the belt down and pretty much insinuated he was done with all of this and he was, I don't know, leaving SmackDown or leaving the WWE and maybe giving up his belt, I don't know, it was left ambiguous, I think, deliberately... But I'm not, the problem with this was, it was actually quite a good segment in the sense it was intriguing and it made me want to know more. But the problem was the fans didn't give a shit. And sometimes, or a lot of the time, when the fans don't give a shit, it's really hard to get the gravitas of the importance of the situation over. So that was strange. And I worry now that's going to affect anything going forward. And it's not the fans' fault. Ziggler's been such given such stop-start pushes, it's hard to actually believe he's going to get any momentum whatsoever. But it was interesting. But yeah, it, it, it fell flat in the arena, which was a shame. And I really don't know where they're going to go with it. Is he going to turn up on Raw? But why would, you, why would you book Ziggler to win the US title and give it up? I don't know. But we'll find out next week. At least I'm intrigued. Uh, obviously, I had AJ Styles versus Mahal uh, on the on Clash of Champions. I so thought it was fine. I thought AJ Styles was great. Jinder Mahal, to me, is okay. But he lacks... I've said this a thousand times. He lacks that big main event feel. So, you know, whatever. And then we had Charlotte Flair versus... Uh, she beat Natalya in a lumberjack match. It was just messy. Mostly because all lumberjacks are Messy. At least we did have Charlotte Flair, who was meant to be the Babyface overcoming insurmountable odds, So that was good. But yeah, I, didn't think, I thought it was probably the lowest part of the night. I think I, something else that was a shame, in the pre-show we had um, Mojo Rawley versus Zack Ryder. In the lead up to that, Mojo Rawley cut a really quite damn decent promo. And then he beat Zack Ryder. And then there was no follow-up on SmackDown, which I thought sucked. I thought we could have done more with that. Or at least I, I would have hoped we would have done. Because again, I just think not doing it takes something away from any momentum or whatever you're trying to build with Mojo Rawley. So that was strange to me, but you know, it's not the end of the world. I did think SmackDown was a fun show all in all. I thought coming out the back of the pay-per-view, uh, especially cuz we're in late December, where usually WWE takes their foot off uh, off the pedal a bit. I thought it was decent and I enjoyed it, which is the main thing. I thought SmackDown was better than the pay-per-view actually. In terms of raw, Raw feels lost in the shuffle at the moment, again, because they got nothing, no pay-per-view till the Raw Rumble. So they do feel like they're filling time, which I can understand, but it doesn't mean that it's not a bit all over the place. I guess the big news is that, apart from the Women's Raw Rumble, is that Braun versus Kane versus Lesnar is officially the main event for the Raw Rumble. I know a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people didn't like the opening segments Raw either. I actually thought they did a good job with it or a better job than I was expecting anyway. Because... You know, it should be Kurt Angle's job as the general manager to put over the active wrestlers. He's not an active wrestler at the moment, although I'm sure he'll have a match at WrestleMania. And you know, Kurt Angle being scared of three massive dudes and then legging it out the ring before announcing that it would be a triple threat match for the Universal Title, I thought worked. A lot of people disagreed with me. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I thought I just thought it was entertaining, and as long as I'm entertained, as long as it adds to the story, and I also think given that it was a, it's a match that not many people wanted to sit wanted to see. I think they've done a, a they've done a decent job in, in kind of making it work, and I think Kane's been put in it so he can take the fall from Brock Lesnar, so Braun Strowman doesn't have to lose, and Lesnar can continue his winning streak. What that means for Strowman kind of at the back of this, I don't know. Maybe Roman Reigns wins at WrestleMania 34, and Strowman can start saying, "Well, I didn't lose to Lesnar here, therefore I deserve a shot." And we go back into that feud. I don't know. But yeah, um, I, I mean, it was only the beginning of the show. We didn't see anything else bit strange to only see lesnar for that short amount of time, but I thought it did okay. Roman Reigns wasn't on the show at all. Which again I don't mind, but I, I mind a little bit just because he's the Intercontinental Champion. And I thought this was going to be a revival for the IC belt. I'm not even mentioning it. Again, I think hurts it. And obviously the other big thing was everything with Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, Jason Jordan, the bar, and Samoa Joe. And this all got very complicated very quickly. We were meant to have Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe, but Jason Jordan came out and said he wanted the match. So Samoa Joe then Makes himself known. This is okay. Will you fight? And I'll fight the winner. Seth Rollins is like, no, I want to fight you. Then Jordan attacks Seth. So Seth goes, okay, I'll fight you instead. It's a bit all over the place. And eventually, this led into the the, the triple threat, the six way at the end of the night, which was Dean Ambrose, Seth, and Jordan versus the Baron, Samojo. And again, I've just seen combinations of this match so much, it's hard to actually care about now. And I don't know whether that's a star power problem, a death problem, or whatever. But yeah, it was just, um, just, it's just not that exciting. I mean somewhat depressingly the most interesting thing coming out of it was they did play up uh dean ambrose injury angle which at the time i was like is that real or is that a put on it turns out it was an angle they'd done in the show but to justify a real injury he's torn his tricep i think so that's going to keep him out for a while so the the shield revival has been a bust i think it's fair to say that like they had their big um comeback and then roman reigns got viral meningitis so he was out they haven't really done anything of note since then apart from have uh you know, the match against whoever they had, the, the Miztourage. Oh, excuse me, from nowhere. That's not a good podcast technique. Um, and now Ambrose is going to be out. I mean, Roman Reigns wasn't even on this show. So what that leaves with Seth Rollins, I don't know. I mean, you can continue the Seth Rollins-Samoa Joe feud because they haven't actually clashed yet. But yeah, to me, the shield feels over before it even began, which is a shame. And I imagine now with Dean Ambrose going to be out for so long, it could be one of those situations where WWE just goes really quiet about it and goes, well, we don't have to say anything. Just forget it ever happened. And then there's everything with Finn Balor. Now, I'd love to explain to you what's going on with Finn Balor, but the truth is I have absolutely no idea. He's feuding with a Miztourage. I don't know why. <laughs> I really don't know why. I don't even know what the story is. I don't think there is a story. He, he won here by DQ, which led Hideo Itami to come out to make his debut. And they had a tag team match. Itami won after the go to sleep. I think he hit it on Axel. And then Itami went off for 205 Live. And what that means for Finn Balor, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, he must be a little bit dejected going from the proposed main event of WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania, of the Royal Rumble, to feuding with, you know, the Miztourage. As long as the Miztourage, I think that WWE could do more with the Miztourage as well. However, it is a drop. Because Finn Balor would have been... T- I mean, there's no way... Paul Heyman wasn't mentioning it in, pr- in Finn Balor's name in programs, even when it was Brock Lesnar vs AJ Styles for the hell of it. It was done to build up Finn Balor. And now he's shooting with a Miztourage for no reason. And what he's probably going to be in the Royal Rumble. He's not going to win the Royal Rumble, I don't think. You never know, but I don't think. So you have to start questioning, is he happy with his position? Should he be happy with his, just? To me, I've got a video coming out about this as well, but is it not like if you got told you're going to get a promotion at work, you don't get that promotion, and you got demoted instead? Because that's what it feels like to me. And I think if that did happen, you'd be pissed off, as you should be. And I think in a normal work environment, if that did happen, you would start looking for other work. It's a very strange scenario, especially because WWE worked themselves into a shoot with this by going, oh, Finn Balor's not over enough because they didn't book him in the right matches for him to be over and had him dropped out to Kane. And I love Kane, but it wasn't the best decision in the world. So yeah, very odd. Very odd all around with Finn Balor, uh, but we'll see we'll see what happens. I do think it's good a time two on 205 Live. I think the more name power you can add to that, the better. It needs a big shuffle. It needs a big reset, but get everybody in there first and then do that. Uh, we did have a, a good match between Drew Gulak and Cedric Alexander. Drew Gulak lost, which means Cedric is now the number one contender for Enzo's title. And I did think everything that Enzo and Nia Jax and Drew... I mean, mostly because Drew Gulak is hilarious. But most of their backstage segments where Gulak kept interrupting Enzo and Jax was was good. Where this is going, though, I don't know. Like, does anybody actually want to see a romance between Enzo and Jax? Because I don't. Like, it's all fun and games now. But at some point, there has to be a payoff. It's not really a thing I want to see. But pff, Who knows? And then we had the Revival return. I mean, they had a very low-key match against Heath Slater and Reiner, but that's fine. You've got to build them up again now. The good thing is, is that hopefully we can start cementing the tag team division on Raw again. It's kind of different now because I know Matt Hardy's gone Woken. But when the Hardy boys were there, had the Revival there, the New Day, obviously they've jumped ship now. We had the, the bar. The Shield could have been put into that. It would have been really good. Also, Woken Matt Hardy talked to a fish on this week's Raw while talking about the Great War. And it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, it was much like the you know, the of an English New Day stuff from SmackDown, the sense it was just so stupid and over the top. Can't help but smile. Every time I see stuff like that, I just means I I love pro wrestling. I love pro wrestling because we can do this crazy stuff that really shouldn't make any sense, and yet somehow we get away with it just because it's pro wrestling and anything is possible. Which is why, when it does come to, which I'm sure you've seen this week and every week, because it is constant, there is this ongoing, uh, ongoing debate that... You know what is pro wrestling? What isn't pro wrestling? Is what the young bucks do too unbelievable and and all this kind of stuff? I mean, me personally, it's like anything. If you don't have variety and diversity, then what's the point? And a lot of people love that stuff, so why would you stop doing it? But who knows? You know, but it it does it does all tie into that into that kind of stuff. Also, on that note, it does seem like we're going to do something with He Slater and Rhino. There was a tease of that when rhino says they know he knows what uh, he's got to do to toughen up so that will be interesting we'll see we'll see, we'll see what happens to all that but raw did feel like more filler this week but it is filler it is they're trying to get to 2018 where they can start yeah you know, they can start building back up again so um yeah it was okay Smackdown's definitely the better show at the moment though raw ratings came out and they weren't good that you know, the, the second the third hour plummeted loads. I think it was the second third hour since June. But the first hour was strong. I'm just hoping all of this comes together so come 2019 we can actually get two hour roars again. I don't think it's gonna happen. The NXT that aired did eight hundred thousand viewers or just, just shy of nine hundred thousand. So I thought that was good, considering there's no promotion and it's NXT, but apparently it wasn't good as rubbish. Well anyway, I guess tribute to the troops did 1.4 million. So I guess that kind of puts it in perspective. But you know, NXT's got a bunch of stars that the mainstream fans don't know about. So I think you'd actually have to put some weight behind it. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was decent. Classic Champions was fine. Raw. It was fine. SmackDown, I thought, was a good show. I thought it was enjoyable. I think they continue to plant the seeds, lay the foundations for, for the future. I think that could be interesting. That could be good. Uh, away from specific WWE news, the other big thing that came out this week was that Vince McMahon apparently has set up a company or an investment thing or something called Alpha Entertainment, which has nothing to do with the WWE. It's his money. And the rumor is, is that he wants to start a football league again. Apparently, he's re-trademarked the XFL. He's trademarked some other things like URFL and other things you know, of that nature. And that, yeah, it's all tying into um, him wanting to get back into, into the football game, which would be bonkers to me. I mean, if you know anything about the XFL, it was not a success. It lost everyone... I think it was $70 million, probably even more than that. I think it was over $100 million in some cases. I and mean, it was a partnership between NBC and the WWE. And at one point, it made sense. It was meant to be rougher, tougher football, and, yeah, beside-the-scenes access, and there's going to be storylines, obviously. And, you know, they had a few ideas that were quite interesting. But ultimately, it couldn't compete with the NFL because it wasn't the NFL. And admittedly, in 2017, TV is not what it once, once was. And content is king, and people do want on-demand content more and more. So if you can find a way to make that work in the current landscape, there probably is more potential now to launch a new football league than there ever has been. However, you're still going to go up against the NFL. It is like a, dub, a wrestling company trying to outdo WWE. And we all know how hard, if not impossible, that is. The difference here is that, and again, people are going to speculate. And given the internet, a rumor can bec- a rumor that's made up by someone can become, not fact, but it can gather momentum just because that's how the internet works. And the... um the other speculation was that maybe donald trump was going to be involved in some fashion now not directly because the president of the united states but he still has an estate and given his feelings towards the nfl there was some uh, yeah rumblings that maybe this is where this was going to come from that vince mann and donald trump in some fashion were going to take on the nfl i just don't see how you do that even if you do do it in the nfl's off season you're really going to have to come up with an interesting USP and get stars to make it work. And there's the issue, because what star is going to jump across to that league? I mean, admittedly, if you paid them enough money, maybe they would. If they're coming towards the end of their careers, much like when soccer players or football players, I know people get mad when I say soccer, but I have American listeners. Then so If I'm talking about football and football, they'll get confused. You know, even in their younger years, they do it. But certainly in their later years, there is a temptation to go to the Chinese league, which, as I'm told, I've never seen it, but the the talent level is lower, at least the popularity level is lower. But they'll go because they get offered huge checks, and I think it's a good way to make some money before they retire. So I guess you could do that with American football too, and get some of the older stars to come across. And it would help. Whether it's enough, I don't know. Again, another comparison is TNA in late 2010 or whatever it was, when they they thought go head-to-head with the WWE on Monday nights. And they had the stars. They had Hogan. They had Ric Flair. I think Mick Foley was there at the time, Booker T, all those kind of people. And it didn't work long-term. It didn't work. I think they had a first good week rating, but then it fell off a cliff. So how Vince McMahon plans to, to make it work, I don't know. You'd imagine he'd learn from his... Of course he'll learn from his mistakes. He's cleared on that a lot of time. And fair play to the man for giving it another go. But I just don't know what you do to fragment that market to the point people will come over. And yeah, after all the hoorah with the standing for the National Anthem, or people not standing for the National Anthem, and being turned off by, by the NFL, maybe that's what they do. Maybe that is what they do. You know, they, they think there's enough there to get those people across to watch a new, a new new a new version of football. And we go from there. But that seems very, I want to say pie in the sky, but a lot of good needs to happen. A lot of good's not the right word. But a lot of luck needs to go your way to ensure to, to ensure that becomes a thing. But who knows? I did think it was interesting. I mean, who, I'm sure he's got more plans as well. Like I can't believe it's just going to be, uh, you know, American football he'd be interested in. And, of course, the reason he does that is that it won't be W's money, so the stock won't go down because, you know, you have nothing to worry about. The McMahon is doing this on his own back. So it would be interesting to see what happens. If nothing else, it would be a fascinating news story if anything does come out in January, which is a rumor. So we'll have to look. We'll have to look. Other than that, Stephen Merchant did tweet out that the Page movie is done, which is still surreal to me because it is a movie that's been paid, uh, made with Page, The Rock, and Stephen Merchant. And that is just utterly surreal. I don't care who you are. Uh, his official tweet was, well, that's done then. Thanks to cast, crew, and everyone who helped me make fighting with my family. It's a funny, emotional, uplifting film. Stay tuned for updates on when you can see it. So we'll learn about that soon. I'm sure it'll be heavily promoted on WWE TV, so, so, uh, so you won't miss any of that. I mean, whether it be good or not, I don't know. I think Stephen Merchant's very talented. I can't believe he'd get involved with something that he didn't think he could be successful in. So we'll have to see what's going to happen with that. But yeah, a weird mix. And also, hilariously, the Rolling Stone came out with their wrestler of the year. They gave it to The Miz. So you know that's going to be talked about, we'll say, for a while. But but look, I've said this before. I did a video for What Culture on it. The Miz has been very, very consistent for the last few years. And his promos are very, very good. So it's not out of the realms of um, possibility. The rest of the year, I think, well, it depends how you see wrestling, right? A lot of people go to New Japan, Okada, or Omega. Obviously, AJ Styles in WWE, even Chris Jericho. To a certain point, I could I could say you had a, a, an amazing year, depending on you know how how you view wrestling. So I imagine the Miz Ging, it will will uh, it will cause some controversy just for that reason alone. But look, the man is good. The man is good. The man gets it. We will see. We will we will see what happens. And other than that, I mean, again, we're getting to the end of the year now, where wrestling really does. It, re- it really does calm down because they know that nothing's going to explode till the Royal Rumble. So they all think, well, we'll take our foot off we'll take our foot off the pedal. We'll get through a few weeks. And then in January, we can ramp it up again. And we've got a main event, unless the Royal Rumble's a main event, but we know it's going to be, like I say, Braun versus Kane versus Lesnar. I would imagine that I mean, maybe you have another AJ Styles match against Jinder Mahal just to get through it, but I could see... You know, I don't know who else put with AJ Styles. i AJ Orton, maybe. Let's face versus face, and they're not going to have Orton lose, so maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting. The other thing is, and we'll get into more of this in a few weeks. I really don't know who's going to win the Raw Rumble next year. I mean, John Cena is coming back. He's going to be on the Christmas edition of Raw. But originally, I think the plan was to do Jinder Mahal versus AJ, uh, Jinder Mahal versus John Cena at WrestleMania 34. So maybe Jinder does win the title back at the Royal Rumble. Okay, that's what's going to happen. I just figured it out. It is going to be AJ Styles versus Jinder Mahal Royal Rumble. Jinder Mahal's going to win his title back. Then John Cena's going to win the Rumble, and then they build WrestleMania thirty-four. Jinder Mahal versus uh John Cena, so John Cena can take. Oh gosh, well, I hope that doesn't happen. But I think it might. I mean, who else could win it? I mean, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar's a the lock. They're not stupid enough to let Brock Lesnar win, uh, to let Roman Reigns win it again. So I, I hope they're not. Anyway, I think it's in is it in Pittsburgh as well. We're doing that thing again. We're looking it up. Because if it is, that would be absolute mad. I'm sure I've made that up. But that would be absolute madness if, if, if they've done that again. Because they're just, you, you, again, we talked about earlier, you have to learn from your mistakes. You have to learn from your mistakes. It is, it's in Philadelphia, sorry. And Philadelphia is where they all went mental when Roman Reigns won it a few years ago, right? We're looking all this up now. We're looking all this up now. When did he win it? 2016 was one against all, correct? Oh, I don't know. It's too complicated. I think it was 2015. It was! 2015 It's in Philadelphia. It's in the same damn arena. You cannot have Roman Reigns win it again. You cannot do it. Can you imagine if they do it again? There's no way I put this I say this now. I, I, I say this with 95% certainty because you never actually um you never actually know uh you know what WWE will do. But if they do rebook that match, my word, they've gone absolutely crazy and they're just asking. They're asking to to get him booed out of the building again. But hey. We will, uh, we will see what happens with that. But we'll get into the Royal Rumble in 2018, and then we'll start going to WrestleMania 34 and see if we can't book a fake card or something or something like that. Now, uh, I do apologize. I've been on a run of short podcasts. I said this last week as well, but I am suffering from a virus at the moment, which means I've eaten nothing in two days. So I'm a bit ruined. But I wanted to get a podcast out. I said I was going to keep doing this every Wednesday. Hopefully, now you can see the format and the schedules back. Uh, I'm not going to, to let that stop. But I do, I do feel like I need to. Well, maybe or maybe not. I need to to go and do things that nobody wants to do. But anyway, please do uh, give us a review on iTunes, five stars, rate us, all of that nonsense. Share us on social media. Come follow me on Twitter at Simon Three Sixteen. Join the Facebook group at Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, we should be on all apps. Only thing we're not on is Spotify because that's not how it works. You can't automatically submit yourself to Spotify. You they they kind of pick and choose. So unfortunately, I can't I can't just get us on there. And as always, this is also supported by Patreon.com for the 316. So if you do have a dollar to spare, please do head on over there and give me a dollar if you'd like to. Uh, it makes this financially doable, which is very, very pleasing. And also, if you do want to watch it on the YouTube channel, it is YouTube.com for the report rules. And there's loads of other good stuff out there as well. You can watch my Star Wars The Last Jedi review. Obviously, there's these podcasts and just loads of nonsense. Absolutely loads of nonsense. So, you know, please do head over there, give that a subscribe and just have a good time. Have a good time. Now... Obviously, we will be back next week, post-Christmas edition of raw, of raw, of this podcast. This podcast is Raw now. But whether or not we're going to... I mean, it'd be interesting. I actually think next week's going to be interesting because the Christmas edition of Raw, which a lot of people find controversial, which I understand, but to me, they've got to put on a good show to make sure that people watch. So we'll have to see what happens with that. John Cena's on it, so it's not going to be a nothing show. But given what holidays can do to stuff like that, I think it's important they put on a decent, like I say, a decent show. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But I think there may be a lot to talk about next week. That's my gut. I don't think this Christmas edition of Raw is going to be throwaway. I think they're going to do, pull something out of the bag where it justifies, you know, making all the wrestlers leave their, their families on Christmas Eve. And like I say, John Cena's on it. They're not going to put John Cena on a show that they think has no merit or has no meaning is my gut is my gut so we'll see what happens anyway thank you very much for listening to Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast eventually I will get back up near the hour mark uh, where I don't feel like death and I haven't eaten or slept for two days but hey we all get ill especially this time of year we persevere we carry on regardless just make sure you go out there with a smile on your face live your dreams and I'll chat to you soon